Hey everyone, this is Dave Korsunsky from Data Driven Health Radio. On this show, we look at how individuals are empowering themselves and using data to transform the way they manage their health. We interview the health experts and the scientists that will help you understand and interpret the data. We speak with the entrepreneurs who are building the tools and the technology that are allowing us to quantify our health in novel and powerful ways. And most importantly, we speak to the individuals who are beating the odds on everything from cancer to diabetes to weight loss and general health and wellness. This show is brought to you by Aura. They make a state-of-the-art ring that can track sleep cycle analysis, activity, and recovery. You can learn more about this product at headsuphealth.com slash Aura. That's O-U-R-A. This show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Keto Mojo. They are making a highly accurate and highly affordable device for testing blood sugar and blood ketones. Check it out at headsuphealth.com slash ketomojo. And lastly, the show is brought to you by Level. They are making a clinical grade breath ketone analyzer, which measures your level of fat burning and ketosis through a simple breath. You can learn more at headsuphealth.com slash level. That's L-E-V-L. All of these amazing products are integrated with Heads Up Health. They all allow you to quantify your health in novel and powerful ways. So check them out. Thank you to our sponsors. Welcome to our show, and let's get into it. Welcome to Data Driven Health Radio. Hey everyone, this is Dave Korsunsky with Data Driven Health Radio, and I'm here on a Saturday morning with Jason Prawl. We've both sacrificed our morning coffees to be here today <laughs> to share some exciting information about what Jason is working on with the Longevity Project. So Jason, thanks for being here on a Saturday morning. You look a lot fresher than I do, just based on the video conversation here. I just rolled out of bed. So <laughs> well, you're looking a lot sharper than I am. It's pretty remarkable. It's yeah. pretty remarkable because we've been working nonstop to try to get this uh, this nine-part film series out the Incredible. door. So we're, we're, it's, it's nonstop here. Yeah, I can't even imagine the uh, undertaking of putting together a nine-part film series, but I'm it's sure it's a you... lot. It's fun though. Cool. So tell us how you got into this, Jason, and then we we really want to hear about this project because it, it touches every single one of our lives. Which is how do we not just live a long life, but also have a quality of life? I know yeah. in my own family, I've seen people who are around until eighty, but the last five years are just awful. So, and and we're all, everyone at Heads Up Health, my company is actively tracking their health. So this is all very relevant for everything we're doing. Yeah. And you you hit it right on the head. I mean, this is, this was the crux of everything that I saw as a, I worked for a number of years as a health practitioner and, you know, we looked at a, a lot of things from cancer to autoimmune disease to digestive hormonal issues, right? And this is all happening at a younger and younger age for people, right? And this was the problem that I saw. The question I kept asking myself is, where's this going? And how do we, how do we rewind or undo this trend, right? Yeah. And so I think the important thing to realize is that this is not seen in other parts of the world, yeah. right? And, and we forget that, I think, because we don't have enough exposure to that. You know, we're used to seeing, as you, as you said, by the time people get into their 70s and 80s, 
you know, the, the downhill slide is so fast. That's just the normal, right? Yep. But when we traveled to remote parts of Greece and Costa Rica and Japan and a number of these other areas that what we saw was people in their nineties and, and into 100, I mean, no glasses, they had their physical health. They had a lot of their cognitive ability. I mean, sometimes their, their hearing would go, right? I mean, this was a common one was that the hearing would go first, mm-hmm. but all of their faculties were there, you know? Yeah. And so for me, it was like, well, this is what we need to show. We need to yeah. show people what it's like to be 94 and climbing an orange tree, right? I've seen it, man. You know, I've traveled the world a lot and have had the opportunity to see that. You just see these, these beautiful souls. That it's you, crazy, you right? see their age, but they're, they're smiling from ear to ear and they have their faculty about them. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see how you're going to show us the patterns that you've uncovered as you've Yeah. And I think, I think you hit on it, right? I mean, this is what's so, what's so cool in my mind is that when you see somebody, you feel their energy, you, you see the sparkle in their eye still at that, at that age. And Uh it, and, and it almost brings you back to that of a child, right? Where it's just like, there's some sort of innate beauty that's in there. That's so happy and just glad to be alive. Yeah. That's really, really cool. So how did you, where, where were you practicing? First of all, I think that's just a little yeah. bit about your background. Yeah, I, I mostly Southern California. So I was in um, Los Angeles area, Santa Monica for a while. And, and then um, I now am in San Diego. So, you know, did that for a number of years, uh, mostly due to my own health challenges, right? So I, I was like, mechan- that's why I started my business. <laughs> yeah, fix, we, fix we myself, all- and then I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. How do I, exactly. how do I, how do I make this my life purpose? Right. I, I don't think we, you know, most of us don't go into this field because it's a, a fun field to just yeah. we have this inclination to get into. It. We, we did it because yeah. we sort of had to, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the same thing for me. I was a mechanical engineer for 10 years and yes, found my way into this into this field because I couldn't find the answers, right? Probably like you, it was like, you weren't finding answers at every corner. So you had to go dig for them. Right. And yep. so that, that was kind of my story and, and, and just found my own path in, in that world. And what I recognized though, is that it was the better I got, if you will. In other words, the, the more I understood about chronic disease yep. and how to manage it, the more I recognized how much the conversation of health was lacking. Right. So managing chronic and understanding chronic disease is much different than understanding health. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when we went around to these around the world to these villages, they don't have a great grasp on chronic disease because it doesn't exist. Yep. So they don't need to have an understanding of the mechanisms of autoimmunity, right? They just know how to be healthy. Yep. And so it's a, it's a stark contrast when you look at it from that perspective. Well, that's really cool because uh, we're, just, we're just devouring information about how to manage chronic disease, disease. how to prevent chronic yeah. disease. It, it's affecting every single one of our lives. It's just so present in everything that I consume online and that I, I do in my day-to-day life. And yet, I think what you're saying is it's, it's just kind of an afterthought there. It's just... Yeah. Uh, the best analogy I can give, uh, and I always go back to this because it's so simple. You know, imagine walking into a dark room, right? And your and your your goal, and this is sort of akin to what we're doing in medicine right now or in health, is that we're trying to get rid of the darkness, right? In other words, we're trying to find all these creative ways to get rid of the darkness. Mm-hmm. But then health is like just flipping on the light, yeah, right. So once you flip on the light, the darkness isn't there. There's nothing to do. In yeah. other words, it's the absence of darkness, right? So. Yeah. We just have to flip on the light, I think. And once we do that, it becomes so clear and simple. So what was the spark, Jason, for you when you said, okay, I've, I've been a mechanical engineer, you know, much like myself. I was doing software engineering for a long time, found our way into this health-focused practice. For me, it was building this tool to help people quantify their health. In your case, it was practicing. And then 
there was another turning point where you yeah. decided to take on this project. So what was that about? Yeah, I, I think it was just because the conversation of health was lacking. And even in the integrative and functional medicines and, you know, these type of things that, that are that are really gaining steam, which I'm excited about because it's so so needed. But even in those circles, there was a, a lack of understanding and a lack of discussion about what can we do from a lifestyle perspective to induce health, yeah. right? And this is sort of where I see the wearables and the technology and the cool stuff that's being built right now, mm-hmm. all the data collection, the data analysis, this is where I think it can help us. But, but it was that lack of lifestyle-based discussions you know, that we see here in, in the West. We don't see that discussion happening because we're not taught by our parents. You know, we, we come from a generation, I'm 37. My parents' generation didn't discuss health lifestyle you know, uh, into a great degree. I mean, the foods, everything started to, sh- to, to shift and change over the last 50, 60 years, right? So this, was, this is the challenge is that the changes happened so fast that I, I don't think people were cognizant of the changes and what they needed to do to subvert those changes or avoid, you know, uh, those issues that came with those changes. And so now we're at that point where we, we have to face this, right? Yeah. Everybody's sick. Everybody's dying of cancer. Everybody has an immune system challenge. Everybody's tired. Nobody can sleep. I mean, we have a problem. Every single person you know has something going on in their health. It's almost impossible, right? Skin conditions, hormone imbalances, digestive symptoms, something. And this stuff is not normal. It's so common, but it's not normal. Yeah, there's some really deep undertones of everything you're saying here, which is also just the societal pressures. It's huge. That are uh, here, the, the way the incentive systems are built. Like you can really go to some core fundamental things about our society that may not exist in other places. So, you actually hit on probably the most overlooked, but what I found to be most the, the most important thing in, in our travels was the societal aspect of things. Yes. And it's not discussed because it's hard, right? And, but what we saw was that even when we traveled to these places, you know, when we were in the villages of Costa Rica, there was no effort required for us to be healthy. In other words- It's natural. It's a byproduct of the environment. Time seemed to slow down. We were walking more. We were picking fruits off trees. We were getting the local cassava or plantains yeah. that were around us. They were selling uh, pipa fria, right, yeah. which is cold coconut, yeah. um, on the side of the of the street in these little carts, and they were chopping it off for you, right? I mean, yeah. these are things that we experience when we go on vacation to Hawaii. But that was their life, yeah. right? Um, so when you're in these environments, you become a product of that. Yeah. And then when we came back to the states. I was late for everything, right? Yeah. Even though nothing had changed, it yeah. felt like I was late for everything. And so I became, we became instantly a product of our environment again, which is not that we had changed, it's everything around us felt different. And this is sort of the energy or the, the feel or the pace that you might, you might describe, even though your own habits aren't necessarily changing, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's core and it, and it becomes very difficult as let's say an American or you know Australian or somebody living in the UK, Canadian, particularly in the West, when you're trying to be healthy and the rest of your culture are doing things that, are, that you know are not healthy, right? It's very hard to sort of uh, to go the other way because you're literally swimming, up, swimming against the stream uh, and yeah. your whole society. Yeah, the deck is not stacked in our favor anymore. And, right. and over there, the environment, it's like the, the deck is stacked in your favor. And, and then there's other things I'm sure you're going to get into just around community and family. So maybe this is a good time just to introduce the project and tell us about it. 
Yeah. So, so um, it's, it's called the human longevity project. We, we traveled around the world to, to, I think it, it, overall it was like nine countries to interview uh, experts, you know, health experts from immunologists to functional medicine practitioners, to uh, athletes, um, to uh, childbirthing, you know, uh, midwives and these type of, I mean, we have to look at the whole lifespan here, right? So we, we traveled all around the world to, to interview these experts, but also to interview people in their eighties, nineties and the hundreds in these remote parts of the world to talk and get a sense for their life. Because we, we often forget the historical context of longevity, mm-hmm. right? Which is that if somebody's a hundred years old today, you know, they were born in 1918. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And not only 1918, as we think of it in the U S but 1918 in a remote village in Italy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a different life, Absolutely. right? So, so we had to get a, you have to talk to them to get a sense for what life was like. You can't yeah. look at this in a history book. Yeah. You know, you, you can't look at it in terms of your own society. So that's what we wanted to do. So, so we, we talked to them about their birthing practices, their, um, their child rearing practices, what their work was like, what their, uh, social uh, dynamics were like what the everything we wanted to know about their life. And what we found was very fascinating in these people. And so, we wanted to, to get a historical context, but also show their local environments even today. So, I mean, imagine being in, uh, it, on a Greek island in the 1960s with no electricity. That means no refrigeration, no freezers, no transport of food, uh, it, long distances. Just living, uh, living off of the land as it is. Yeah, candles at night yeah. and, and maybe oil lamps, but no, certainly no electricity. That's amazing. So, all the blue light and all this yeah. toxic light that we're looking at right now in sort of the biohacking or, or optimization world yeah. wasn't an issue. So you didn't have to wear these blue blocking glasses, yeah. you know, all these things that we're trying to do now, efflux on our computers, like all yeah. these things, that was just their life. Trying to, trying to, we're, we're basically, and we're going to get into this, I know, but we're trying to engineer our, back to our environment back to the way it once was. You know, I, remember, I, I think uh, so. Yeah. I remember driving, I was, I took some time off and traveled through, um, Cambodia. And I remember driving through towns and there was no light. There's still no electricity in these parts yeah. of the world. And you would see groups of kids or on the street, they'd maybe have some light from a cell phone. Right. Or, or yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, then being, being in Italy, I was in Cinque Terre and, and you can walk all across all five towns and uh, we get through this really remote, hilly, difficult part. And there's this 70 year old dude that just blows past all of us. Yeah. And he's probably done that walk every single day of his life, just in the mountains there. So, you know, these are the anecdotes that come up for me when you're starting to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and you know, we talk about walking and exercise in terms of, you know, sort of a methodical uh, research-based uh, thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And for them, time wasn't money, yep. right? Time was something to be cherished and to, to something to be enjoyed. Yep. So. They were, they were afforded the luxury based on their mindset uh, to walk 30 kilometers or 20 miles, right? They could do that because they had the time and they had the ability to do so. And that was generally the only way uh, other than maybe on a horse or, mm-hmm. or a donkey or, or, you know, some carriage, some sort of cart, right? So, so they lived in a different way. They, they, they viewed time differently. They viewed economy differently. They, they viewed everything was different. And, you know, I was actually just writing a little narration for the film uh, today about this, but where are you, by the way? What, what I'm city? up here in uh, Truckee, California. Oh, okay. So 
When was the last time you remember seeing total darkness at night in your area? In other words, no city lights, no light pollution in the air, like millions of stars. Like for me, the only time I saw that was in Guatemala in the jungle one time years ago. And then in these remote islands when, when we traveled recently. Well, I was 10 years in San Francisco, so there was oh, a 10-year 10, 10 absence there. It's with, like the light pollution capital of the world. <laughs> yeah, but, but now I moved up, partly because of some of the reasons you've described here. I moved up to a small town. Anecdotally speaking, I've always noticed I was happier in small towns. Yeah. And so I moved up here. My work is all online and remote. So we do get true darkness here, and we get like nice cold dark nights cool nights yeah yeah but i haven't had that's, that that's, that's ever, rare ever probably yeah you know, I, I mean, mean, i've only had it for like the last six months since i've been living yeah there. and most people most americans especially um don't know darkness um yeah. you know even in small towns you know, in the midwest and these type of things you still have so much light pollution and i used to be in this field in the energy space i, I used to actually go around and, and look at energy efficiency of, of street lights and these type of things and how do we improve that so I, I actually looked at light pollution studies when it comes to cities you know aerial views of cities and it's just it's insanity so i think we forget that you know just simply looking at at the stars and having total darkness brings back a sort of spiritual or religious or something profound, right? However you yeah. want to think about it, you know, a connection to nature, but it makes you feel really small. <laughs> it, it makes you feel really insignificant, mm -hmm. but it also makes the world sort of a magical place, right? So it's, well, it's a lot of this stuff. Really interesting, Jason, which is like that, that, that whatever that feeling is that you cannot quantify, it's almost ineffable. And being out there on a night looking up at the stars and there's just billions of them there or being able to just take time outdoors for an extended period of time. Yeah. So there is a, I don't know if it's a spiritual quality or if it's just something that we're born something with. Right. Something, yeah. it's some, it touches us right deep in our, in our emotions and our soul and our heart, whatever it is. But I mean, shit, we write songs about this stuff, right? I mean, this is something that's, it's in movies. I mean, this is, it permeates our culture as this romantic idea. Well, it's only romantic now because it's so hard to get. In our, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why it's so enchanting. <laughs> right, which is crazy because for all of our existence, it was the norm. Yeah. And so, you know, it's things like this. And I think really where it comes into play in our, in our society, in our culture, when it comes to health is that we were losing meaning. We're completely lacking meaning in our modern world. We're looking for it in Instagram and, and Facebook and, yeah. uh, you know, online dating and uh, porn and movies and Hollywood and clothes, you know, we're looking at for meaning in all the wrong places and simply having a lack of electrification in your city, oddly enough, that allows you to see the stars can provide you that meaning that you don't even know you're lacking. Yeah, right? absolutely, so, man. I've experienced so that many it's times. It's deep and it's weird, right, yeah, to think I about this stuff. I completely relate to it. There's times where I'll get a taste of it, and that, that little glow will last for, for, for a few days afterwards, and then I'll yeah. you, get, you get pulled back in the vortex of, right, of, of modern life, world. life out here. And so one of the things I've been really focused on is trying to create space at the beginning and the end of the day to, to reconnect with whatever that is, whether it's a meditation session or something that, that keeps my spiritual connection strong. 
otherwise I've seen how I am when I'm not like that. I'm, yeah. I'm so engulfed in my work. I'll just, I love it. And right. I'll go at it nonstop. But you really have to work at it here in our society yeah. to keep that present. And it's not easy. The environment is not engineered in our favor. So, right. yeah, it, it becomes extremely difficult, actually, right. for, for the average Joe. So I'm, I'm... But here's the cool thing, too. And you hit on something pretty, pretty interesting, which is that you have this sort of big purpose that's driving you, you, you your work. You enjoy your work. You, you, you want to do it. You know, if you yeah. don't intentionally take time out, you're going to almost work yourself to death because you like it. Right. And yes. so that, that's a cool thing too, that I think we're missing. And so I think to some degree, finding yourself immersed in your purpose, whether that's work, whether that's music, whether that's being a mother or a father, doesn't matter. But finding mm-hmm. yourself immersed in that, I think is very powerful and does have research backed when it comes to longevity and, and optimal health. So yeah. there is sort of a weird trade off of like really, that's really interesting. That, right. Yeah. But also stepping back and recognizing the balance that, that each person's going to require. So you have found that you need this sort of time and that that's a better balanced state for you um, if you take the time. And I think this is what we're going to see, right? And, and I mean, going back to sort of the technology side of things, it, this is where things like inner balance and heart rate variability, you know, and all these tools that we can use to either help us help induce a state of meditation or a state of uh, altered brain states. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's so much technology out there and it's right now it's sort of on the fringes. Uh, a lot of this big stuff. I mean, we have these big pods with color therapy and, yep. and various sound wave technology, right. That can induce brain states. I mean, this we're on the forefront of some really cool stuff and I don't know where it's going to go, but my feeling is that it's, it's going to be used for this exact thing that you're talking about to help people, intentionally go and get that calm serene aspect that they're lacking in their traditional way of life well you bring up some really deep stuff here like one of the things in my travels i remember traveling again this was in a small town in, in cambodia it was in uh Dondet, which is like the four thousand lakes in actually it was in southern Laos, and there were these families that were indigenous there and they'd look at the tourists almost making fun of us because we were so driven and working so much. And right. like, kind of silly, said, right? You no, know, they'd finished in the right fields. They were kicking back, you know what I mean? And, and they'd see me cranking on my laptop. And so there was that, that, that association of that, yeah. that. That's how we are here. And I stopped to think about that quite a bit. And I said, yes, that is true. But I also said that we are pushing the boundaries and creating some just absolutely incredible things here that are allowing our society to advance in amazing ways that are bringing incredible advancements in all aspects of life. And that's through the innovation and the society that we have engineered here. Right. right. So there are trade-offs and pros and cons on either side of the coin. And I guess what I'm wondering is, do you think we can use a lot of emerging technology and education to start to have the best of both worlds? Yeah, I think you're- have it all. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're totally right. And I think there's a lot of good that has been created and transformed and reinvented in a way when it comes to our sort of capitalistic, money-driven, success-driven society, right? We can look at that in a very negative way if we choose. Absolutely, yeah. Or we can flip the script and say, okay, yeah, we've created a lot of harm to our environment. We've, you know, we've created a total imbalance in a lot of ways. Just like a drug addict or you know, a sex addict or whatever, the first thing you need to do is recognize that there's a problem, Mm -hmm. right? And if we can just recognize that, 
that, okay, we went too far. The intentions were good. We didn't intend to abuse this thing that we call technology and, and, and advancement, but it seems that we, we, we're on that trajectory yep. and we can either recognize that and correct course, or we can continue down that path of destruction via technology and modernization. But I think what we're seeing is, is we are course correct. And that's uh, beautifully inspiring. It, so that's, that's encouraging. It, you, you, well, you've been in the trenches. So, 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 so well, to hear that is, is, is encouraging. I'm generally an optimist when it comes to human, right, cool. uh, yeah. the human potential and the human mind and the human yeah. capacity. Um, I, I really feel good about humans, but that comes with a big caveat, which is to say that we can no longer be lackadaisical about this. We yeah. can no longer think that somebody else is going to solve the problems. We can no longer think that we can sit back and that our lives don't matter. We now have the opportunity to look at this situation that we've created and change the way we live. And I think it has to happen. I mean, I, I'm confident that we will, but yeah. it's not going to be easy. I mean, every single person has to take responsibility for every decision they make. Right now, you know, I'm drinking water out of a Pellegrino bottle, glass bottle. Why? Well, partially because drinking out of glass bottles is healthier for me than drinking out of a plastic bottle and drinking out of our crappy municipal water supply. But also because it's made of glass, which is much better for the earth than something like plastic. So, I mean, it's small decisions like this, right? And becoming conscious and aware of the decisions that we each have to make instead of standing on soapboxes and shouting at everybody else to make decisions. I think this is where we have to be. And as soon as we can do that, and I think we are doing that, then the world transforms very quickly. And if anybody's read Malcolm Gladwell's Tipping Point or looked at, 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 the, at the way revolutions happen, it's a small fraction. You know, revolutions happen with like 3%, I think, of the population changing. I mean, it, that's when the shift happens. So, so I think this is where we're, we're at right now. And I think with technology and the advancements that we've made, we are absolutely going to use those to better our lives because we're st- we've gone so far down the other way. I mean, the only scary thing I think we have left that I'm a little nervous about is 5G technology when it comes to cell phones. Yep. If anybody's Perv- questioning- Pervasive 100%. If anybody's questioning whether or not electromagnetic radiation, EMF, is harmful for health, wait till 5G comes out. There'll be no more question. It will, it, this, will be, this will be the make or break aspect of electromagnetic radiation, I think. And it, there will be no questions left unanswered. And we're going to look back and go, how could we have been so dumb? Because to me, it's a nightmare. It's a complete disaster if yeah. we implement this on a wide scale. The cool things that we can do with it, uploading and downloading videos in a matter of seconds, and we can perform surgery across the nation. You know, somebody in New York can perform surgery on somebody in LA via this stuff. I mean, that's truly remarkable. Yeah. But the downside risks that are going to come with 5G will far outweigh the cool stuff. So, so we just have to be smart. I think what, we, what we're missing is the philosophy. And I think this is going back to your story, how they were looking at you as sort of like a silly human <laughs> that's just working all the time. Yeah. This is, we've gone to that point. We've become silly. Yeah. And we, what we need is sort of more of the Eastern traditions uh, in terms of balance. Yeah. And once we can incorporate balance, then we can have the best of both worlds as you, as you alluded to. Yeah, I mean, I think we had so many more things figured out about human health 3,000 years ago than we do now that we just need to go. We're rediscovering it, yeah. It's a rediscovery process. It's a pattern. You know, the, the yep. whole system is patterns. The whole universe is patterns. But one thing I wanted to ask you about was in the communities you visited where you were seeing these incredibly healthy and, and long-living individuals is the aspect of community. And we are not necessarily living in ways where it's normal for us to, to know who even our neighbor is. <laughs> and, and so you touched on a few things, which is just movement and different ideas of time. And what did you see there and how much 
can you say that that was a common pattern where it was small villages, people knew each other, they loved each other, they took, they took care of each other. Yeah. I mean, this is, it was a common theme, right? And, and I think maybe the, one of the best ways I can tell this, or I can get this point across is if anybody's in the U S or Canada or, you know, any of the Western nations and imagine what it would have been like. I mean, we had to show up in Italy or Greece and find these elderly people. It's not like there's a list and we just emailed them and scheduled a, a you, know, you got a, a text message from, from their VA yeah. to, to yeah. a the coffee shop meeting. Exactly. <laughs> we literally had to show up yeah. unannounced and be like, yeah. okay, how do we find these people? Where are yeah. they? Who are they? Right. So this required us to embed ourselves into the community, usually wow. with a local, yeah. right. That could speak whatever language it was yeah. and then help find these people. So imagine doing that in the U S you know, if you, if you live in the U S or whatever Western nation, you might be listening to this from imagine trying to go find a hundred year old. What would that require for you to do that? You know, are you going to show up in your, in, in some town and say, Hey, I'm looking, I'm filming an interview. I'm filming a documentary. I'm looking to interview people in their nineties and hundreds. Do you know any, most people would look at you and go get out of here or what do you want? Or sorry, I don't have time. Right. Or good luck. You know, I wish you luck. They're not going to help you because their time is dedicated elsewhere. Right. There's this sort of selfish and self-motivated aspect of life. And there's not it's not a, a knock. It's just a matter of, it shows us that the lack of community of support mm-hmm. that, that you might find. And so we found it to be remarkably easy to find these people. And so part of that was because it was small towns, but part yeah. of it was because anybody was willing to help you because why not? You know, you, you need my help. Sure. Of course. So that was really interesting. And then the other aspect that I think is interesting to think about when, when it comes to community and in, in our modern society is mm-hmm. think about the aspect of like Uber Eats right? You can now get on your phone, order food from a restaurant, have somebody deliver it to you in a car, and you don't have to leave your house. So on one hand, pretty damn cool, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to grow food. You don't have to pick your food. You don't have to prepare your food. You don't have to store your food. You don't have to make your food. You don't do any of that. I don't even know what's in it. It just right. But, and and it's already delivered to your door. Yeah. Piping. So pretty cool. And it can, it can be there in a matter of minutes and at a very low cost to you mm-hmm. when it comes to your sort of time value of money that way. So, but what are the, what's the deterrent? You're now, you're not interacting with the soil. You're not interacting with local ingredients. You're not eating seasonally. You don't understand the value and the effort required to produce the food. You are not getting your hands in the soil. You're not, you know, creating local cuisines based on your culture. You're, you have a, a higher likelihood of overeating because it's so easy to get and there's so much of it. And you, there's no communal aspect to the harvesting, the cooking, and the eating process. So I think in the future, we're going to have to use our technology to create community because community is not inherent anymore, Yeah. right? It's so easy to get on social media and, and think we have friends. But what we need to do, if we understand the value of community, is that we're going to have to use technology and our advancements in order to force community. Mm-hmm. So what if, you know, re- I mean, restaurants are disappearing. I mean, it may not feel like it, but, it's, yeah. but in essence, they are. They're not yeah. making money. They're not popping up like, like they used to in a community setting, especially in small towns, right? If you go to a small town, you might see a couple of McDonald's or whatever, yeah. but mm-hmm. you're not going to see restaurants, true, authentic, real restaurants. Yep. And so this is because of technology and because of our availability of food. So I think we have to understand the value of community. And, and a lot of these people, they especially 50, 60 years ago, the community was 
a requirement because it's what allowed you to thrive. You know, it, it's what allowed you, it, it provided a source of protection, a, a source of safety. You know, it allowed you to leverage one another, the skills of one another, the sheer numbers, you know, it made everything easier. And so they would help each other without contracts. If somebody needed their house fixed up, there'd be like 10 or 12 people in the little village that would go help them out because they needed it. And because that person helps me do this, or that person grows this, or that person works for me over here. So there's a, there's a value. There was an incentive to help one another. And more than the sort of selfish incentive aspect of things, they enjoyed each other's company. Sure. You know, in, in Greece, they have something called a panayidi, which is this all night party. That's usually, it's a celebration usually for like a local saint, you know, and this is not a, a saint that's alive. This is a you know, St. Christopher or whatever, right? That 400 years ago or whatever. And so they would have these little parties where they would, they would cook and make food all day long until like five o'clock. And this was like the entire village. And then at five o'clock, they'd all gather around with, you know, alcohol and music and food and people from the ages of five to 95 were all there. All, all of them were enjoying each other's company, dancing, celebrating, laughing all night. I mean, yeah. until like 7 a.m. So we can talk about circadian rhythm. We can talk about sleep. We can talk about the benefits of all this stuff. And yet that sort of contradicts all of that and says, well, maybe if you have fun and you drink and you eat and you enjoy each other and you have music and you're dancing, maybe that's more important than eating a perfect meal and circadian rhythm stuff all the time. Right? Yeah, that's so, really cool. Yeah, I'd love to sign up for, for one of those parties. It sounds absolutely incredible. And I can absolutely relate. Like I... <laughs> engineer my day a lot of the times <laughs> around getting that perfect night's sleep, right? I'm just, just a, a nerd about it. become obsessed about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because we yeah, understand yeah. the value of it, right? Absolutely. But it really was cool. I mean, I can't tell you because the dancing that they have, first of all, the music doesn't stop. Yeah. Literally the band, and it's, I'm talking about like a real band, like there's like yeah. violins and guitars yeah. and like this type of thing. They're playing all night, nonstop. So it's not like they play one song or two songs and they, they take a break, you know, or they play a set and they take a break like we do here. No, they literally one song to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, all night. And the the dancing is like in a circle. It's like three, it's almost like a donut. You can imagine two or three people deep you know, in, in, that, that makes the width of the donut. And they're, they're spinning counterclockwise or clockwise, arm in arm, doing this little sort of kicking type of dance. That is life all right night. there, man. And, that and is you, like and, beautiful aspect. Right? of life and community They're literally Every, arm in arm yeah and then, and then right there and then if you were if you were done or you're tired you would step out and the circle would keep going and somebody new would pop in yeah. so 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 the circle didn't die people came and left but the circle kept going that's cool. right and so i mean there was alcohol that they produced locally you know yeah. uzo and ciparo yeah. these are produced local wines and backyards and you know these type of things they weren't mass produced so you have to recognize everything is different I mean, it's, it's literally comparing, you know, apples to bicycles. I mean, it's just a totally different animal. So, well, I think that's the main theme is like everything I've learned in my life that's added value is, is something that was already discovered a long time ago. Simple. I'm just trying to, just trying to basically recreate conditions of yeah. these other environments because that's what I feel is, is part of my path to optimal health and Presumably, that's, that's part of the vision for this, which is to go capture these happy, yeah. healthy, beautiful communities. And is our whole society going to change? No. But you can touch the lives of people and they say, you know what? There are some simple things I can do. Yeah. And here's the thing. We alluded to it earlier that if we can start to change the culture, the mm -hmm. norm, right? I mean, look at organic food in the U.S. Yeah. yeah organic food's not everywhere, mm -hmm. but it's getting there. 
Yep. I mean, Walmart's carrying it. Costco is carrying it. I mean, yep. the biggest stores in the U.S. are carrying organic food. It was not like that 10 years ago. I yep. remember I was growing organic food in my backyard, and I was, I was the only one yep. in my, my circle of friends that was doing that. So it's, it's changing. You know, this is, this is what's hard. Is that if you look at history books, you see revolutions, you see enlightenments, you see these type of things in a history book that looks like they happened overnight, right? Yeah. These, these changes happen so quickly. But in reality, the changes that happen quickly in history books feel slow in reality. So, so I think we're seeing a very fast and rapid shift over the course of one generation or two that is starting to really manifest. And I think That's as that happens, that. Yep. you know, the culture becomes different. And, and now you're the weird one if you're not doing the healthy things. And your and video is don't. just more gas on the fires. Your, uh, your sequence of videos, which is like tipping point. We want to just throw as much kerosene on yeah. these little flames that you're starting <laughs> to see here as possible. Exactly. And, and it, remember, humans don't like to be left out. They don't yeah. like to be the odd one out. Um, yeah. Even now, even though somebody might know it's healthier to do X, yep. we're going to do Y because they fit in because everybody else is doing that. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's more it makes us feel better to be a part of something, even if it's not doing the right thing, yep. than to not be part of it. I mean, yep. you see this even uh, when it comes to social stuff. Look at prisons. You know, prisons, what's the worst punishment in a prison? Solitary confinement. Yeah, isolation. Being by yourself. Yeah. So, you know, they would rather be amongst other notorious people that have done, you know, oftentimes dangerous things. Absolutely. Um, just to then, have, yeah. yeah, to have somebody around them. So, so we have to recognize that we, 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 we are group dynamic. We, we, we follow the group dynamic. And yeah. as the group dynamic shifts, now it becomes normal to do the healthy thing. Now it becomes commonplace to meditate and commonplace to, to put your cell phone down and commonplace to, um, to do all the things that we're kind of talking about in the fringe communities right now. Yeah, one of my favorite activities is just going on a digital detox weekend at Dealey where there's a retreat with other people and there's music and there's, you know, I, I'm, I come back from those things high for a week. Just Isn't on, that crazy? On and that's just one week. That. Imagine if that was your life. Like imagine yeah. if that was, that was happening every weekend or, yeah. uh, or, or multiple times a, a, a week or a month, right? So again, when, was, I mean, when did digital detox become a thing? I mean, maybe 10 years ago, I mean, at most. So yeah. Again, like things are shifting, man. And like people, as they experience this stuff more and more, and they, they finally, I mean, because you can read and you can study and you can research and you can look at all this garbage. But what really moves the needle is when you experience something. You know, you can talk about meditation sure. all you want, but the first time you meditate and you're like, whoa, that did something. Yeah. You, can't, you can't unknow that, yeah. right? So it becomes debate and research becomes irrelevant at that point. Yeah. Or it becomes very interesting because you want to know what the hell just happened when you meditated there, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I wish we lived in a society, Jason, where, where my product didn't even need to exist. That would be, <laughs> that would be ideal. You know, my, my only hope is that you never have to use heads up health, but, but that's not reality. And so I come at it from a different angle from you, which is like, okay, we, we do have these forces working against us, EMF, yep. pollution, things, sleep pollution, issues, yeah. circadian disruption. So, yep. I mean, I'm coming at it from just trying to, and, and the tech, also from the technology point of view, helping people take these tools and actually use them to try to course correct hundred percent. And we can see people course correct type two diabetes. We can see people course correct autoimmune. You've, you've seen it all a million times. So yep. Yep. I just want to give people away, first of all, to see the danger before it's coming. And that's yep. why we built this system to give people their medical records. And 
okay, look, look for patterns before the diagnosis comes. But also like to use technology, the, the aura ring, right? It's just one of my faves. It's fantastic. Device. Yes. Am I getting enough sleep? Am I learning how to re-engineer my day so that I actually get a good, so that's, that's our angle coming at it. I think your angle is also equally awesome, which is, well, I actually see that there's the same, they're, 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 two, okay. they're, they're different sides of the same coin. Cool. Right. And, and, and this is what I love. I actually think this stuff will change health faster than any medical system, any new medical approach that we take, because what you're alluding to, I think, and, and I think what you overtly understand is that all of the problems we're, we, that we've created from a health perspective are lifestyle related. Yes. Which it's are now not, quantifiable and correctable. Exactly. And this is where technology really changes. I mean, and, and I, I, I'm in such agreement with you that we actually dedicated an, an entire episode to this very thing, which is how can we use technology or even, or maybe not use it, but think about it. And yeah. what technologies might we start with to, to help us get on a better track of, of lifestyle? Because things like the aura ring, the aura ring doesn't do a damn thing for you. No, nothing. It does not change you in any way. It just gives you information. And that information is really the power because that information, if, if it's accurate, you know, if a device is giving you accurate information and valuable information in terms of what biomarkers or what kind of things it's looking at that allow you to change your behavior to a more healthy behavior that's, that facilitates better that's lifestyle practices, right yep. that's the key, right? And there's lots of cool stuff. You know, we have infrared saunas, we have uh, laser therapies, we have hyperbaric oxygen, we have all these very cool things that actually do something to you and for you. But at the end of the day, in my perspective, those technologies will not be the, move, be the needle movers because what we need is not more intervention. What we need is better lifestyle yeah. and better habits and a better way to think about what we're doing and something like the aura ring. Even think about the human experience. What, is, what does that even mean? Uh, I, I, and actually just starting to question that in ways that we've never questioned it before. Absolutely. And, and I think with things like the aura ring or heart math or inner balance or any of these sort of heart rate variability things, um, and there's others, but, but those two to me are the two Kings in, in my mind right now in terms of giving us information about what we're doing and is it beneficial, right? So, so something like exercise, okay, we all know exercise is beneficial, but we also know exercise is hormetic, meaning that not enough is, you know, if we don't get enough exercise, it's not optimal for health. If we get too much exercise, that's also not optimal for health. Yep. But everybody's point of both of those things is, is different, right? I mean, somebody has Lyme disease, generally speaking, they're not going to work out like a triathlete. Yep. They don't have the energy to do that. So their hormetic point or tipping point would be, would be different. So the question has always been, how do you know how much exercise to do and when to exercise? You know, I mean, do you know, uh, is it better for you to exercise at 11 a.m. or 3 p.m.? And is it better to exercise harder or, you know, a little less? Is it better to do walking or maybe a little interval training? Is it yep. better to exercise after you've gone on a long trip and you maybe you're jet lag? These are the questions that we have been unable to answer uh, other than just our feeling, right? And, and that's another part of it. I think there's two aspects here. Technology can help us understand what, what to do and when to do it. But I think it can also give us uh, an insight and teach us how to, how to look inside ourselves and feel, right? Because we've lost the feeling. Yep. You know, we've lost this intuition, this understanding of our body. But if we can use something like heart math, uh, heart rate variability to, to understand when we're in a, 
sympathetic or parasympathetic state, then we can start to see patterns from like, oh, this is what parasympathetic feels like. Okay, I get it, right? Or this is what it feels like when I'm fully recovered. Yep. This is what it feels like when I get a really good night's sleep versus not a very good night's sleep, right? Yep. Even though I slept seven hours both nights, yep. I, I feel different this way and this way. And, this is, and now I can see it, so now I understand. And oh yeah, by the way, I did this at 4 p.m. yesterday. Perhaps that's the reason, right? Okay. So we can start to unwind a lot of this stuff Yep. Um, because I don't think if there's anything that, that got confirmed along the travels, which is it's that we can't go backwards. You know, we'd love no, to. No, we just have to learn how to, to, to make the, the, the best of the situation that we're in today. And right. I think that's exactly what you're talking about here is how do we use the tools? We're not going to slow the train down. We're not going to turn the train around in the other direction. We will have incremental t- steps. There may be a tipping point. But all of the things you described, which is just how do we live the, 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 the most optimal life we can in this technology-driven society, yeah. we have to use the tools that are available at our disposal. And I think we have to create a mindset of of uh, abundance and opportunity you know and I mean, love and community and all these 100%. other wonderful things yeah we, we look at technology in our modern world i mean i think there's this 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 sort of disillusionment to some degree you know we romanticize the simplicity of life in you know uh, costa rica in the 1950s well these guys work their ass off mm-hmm. i mean they were working non-stop so you can talk about longevity and how great their life was, you know, with nothing but organic food and no pesticides and no electromagnetic fields. But it was also very inconvenient. And, they, and, and the work that they did, there's not a person I know that could handle that right now. Yeah. I mean, one guy in Italy who's 105 told us about his work, which was he would ride, he would take, he would take 200 pounds of material, whatever it was, probably some sort of food, 200 pounds and ride his bike like 20 miles, drop it off and ride back and do that a couple times a day just for a day's pay, just to get by. Yeah. I mean, that's just one guy. And yeah. a lot of other people walk 60 miles. They would walk 30 miles to work, mm-hmm. then go to work and like, do their work and then walk 30 miles home and then take care of whatever they need to run house. That's important context because we, we have a completely opposite lifestyle where we can enjoy this ultra modern and comfortable lifestyle. We don't have to put, you know, when I was in uh, Southeast Asia, I'd see women that looked like they were 50 years old with, with 50 pound sacks of rice on their back. So we get to live these wonderful comforts and conveniences, presumably that, that none of these other cultures have, but the trade off is, all of the stuff we described, we're at, we're at much greater risk for, for disease and isolation and depression and addiction that come with this lifestyle we've engineered here. So it's using whatever information and tools we can to find the, the best balance. In but, but I think it's important that we don't romanticize the other cultures in the past and we don't demonize the opportunities that we have now, right? Because yeah. it's so frequent right now. You see people, oh, it's the end of the world and this is awful and toxins yeah. and chemicals and all these things. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I mean, that is bad. Great to recognize it. Let's yeah. not dwell on that. And let's yeah. not pretend that we live in the most, you know, uninhabitable place. Yeah, it, from someone who's but, never broken a sweat in the last <laughs> 10 years, you know, they're complaining about the toxins in the environment. So, we, you know, we got to put the perspective on yeah. As I turn up my air conditioning, you know. Yeah, and like, Uber Eats just showed up with, yeah. with, with the burger. So, yeah, you got you to gotta balance that stuff out and, and exactly. have the right context and right perspective on it. And mindset is huge. I mean, yeah. this, is, this is something that I, I think people don't recognize in the health circles. Even in the sort of biohacking tech space, we forget that mindset probably trumps everything and if we are taking if we have a if we are constantly angry and bitter and 
and whatever. And we're trying to foster community and we're doing all this great stuff with technology, but we hate ourselves or we hate something. We hate the president. We hate anything, you know, that will destroy your health faster than any of these things. So this is where love, compassion, balance, forgiveness, empathy, you know, serenity, yeah, all these things come into play and these are not biohackable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, these are internal things that you do for yourself. And yeah, sure. You might be able to see it on heart rate variability, but yeah. this is something you have to practice. Right. So, so I think we have to remember that too. And I think if we, if we are, if we become grateful for the opportunities that we have, yeah. uh, we, we face a lot of challenges, no doubt. You know, a lot of us are suffering from a lot of health issues and it's not fun. But I think these can become teachers for us to realign ourselves with our true self, with our, uh, our ability to, to share abundance and love and compassion and all these things with others and with ourselves. And, you know, we can start to really capitalize on all the best things about technology and all the best things about humanity yeah. and start to merge them. And I don't mean in the Ray Kurzweil way where, you know, where we have these sort of bio machine human people. Um, I, I don't like that idea, but I do love the fact that we can use technology to our benefit to, to show us more of our humanity. And I think yeah. that's really where we're going. And I think if we just take a, a, the appropriate mindset about yeah. that, I think it's exciting. The next 20, 30 years is going to be really exciting. Well, that sounds amazing. I am equally optimistic and, you know, there's only a couple of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's taken a lot of work. Coming from, I went through a really tough time in the corporate world where I got sick and I was in a job I didn't like. And yeah, your, your health goes down the toilet faster than it would in, in any other, uh, like you said, toxins or, or other stuff like that. So, and I've spent years just relearning like what it even means to be healthy and human and my context on life. And so, yeah. And, and when you see these things for the first time, right? Like you understand how many toxins are in the world. You understand that, you know, 300 toxins are in the cord blood of newborns. You understand that, you know, electromagnetic fields are basically, you're swimming in the sea of them. I mean, yep. It's very scary. And to, to some to some degree, it can sort of create this sort of dark night of the soul, right? Where you're like, Jesus, like we are really screwing things up. Um, what the heck do I do about this? But I think if you just step back and, and, and move through that a little bit, then I think you start to see the opportunity, the beauty, the fun and all this, you know, and, and at the end of the day, nobody makes it out alive. So, uh, you know, how you view each day and how you show up and how you think about these things and feel about your, you know, your life and every day, I think that's the most important thing. So that's the other thing about this movie and this film that we that we sort of get into is the philosophy of longevity. You know, I mean, it, we, we don't think about it. We, we glorify this idea of living to 150 or 400 or maybe this idea of agelessness. Yep. But if I, if I said to you that you're going to live 300 years, doesn't that sort of cheapen your life? In other words, like I have so much time, like why do I, why do anything tomorrow? Yeah. Right? So I think there's, there's a value a in, good way to in, think about it. in the urgency, right? If, but if I told you, you have five more years to live your life, all of a sudden, whoa. Like yeah. you're probably going to look at your relationships differently, probably going to look at your day differently, mm-hmm. probably going to look at the beauty around you differently. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to recognize, you know, we're missing a philosophy a little bit when I think we romanticize this idea of living a really, really long time. Yep. And every person that we talked to, those 94, 102, whatever, they were kind of like, I'm ready to go whenever, you know, yep. I don't know. This is God's plan. You know, a lot yep. of them were religious. And so yep. they, they viewed this as like, Oh, I don't know. I'm just here. You know, I, I lived a great life and whatever, you yeah. know? Religion, so spirituality, community, uh, activity, nature, you know, these are the, 
unquantifiables. Yeah, yeah. Family. So, so um, how how can we get our hold of the of the the, the videos yeah yeah we'll, we'll be we'll be um airing the, the film online so it'll be uh on our website for free mm-hmm. um we we launch may 7th and it's a nine-part series so each day we'll, we'll release a, a new episode uh free for viewing um for that that nine or ten day stretch so um we we want to spread this information you know we want we want people to, to to take a look at this stuff and i mean look if you're if you're sort of a health geek i mean there's some there's a lot of information in here so it's it's not a there's certain aspects of it that are pretty geeky and it gets a little technical. So, yeah. but we wanted to explain what aging is, right? And we have to get into mitochondrial health and we have to get into understanding microbiota and how this communication. So you're spanning the full spectrum, man. You're talking to people 105 Science. years old in a village and you're going down <laughs> to like mitochondrial energy production and function. 100%. 100%. Because it's, under, it's important to understand awesome. how, how those things work. Because if you, if you start to understand that we are an ecosystem inside our body that you are not human mm-hmm. you're more bacteria and viral dna than you are human dna yeah. you have more molecules that are not human in you than you do that are human most of your function is carried out not through human genetics but through bacterial and viral and fungal yeah. genetics so if we think about the inner ecosystem and we take care of that perhaps that is really what matters the most so we it there's, which, which becomes really profound when you think about the fact that all of a sudden, we, if we think about that, it's, we take the self-centered aspect of this away, right? You're now, there is no I. Mm-hmm. All you are is just a bunch of microbes. So you're taking care of the microbes. And yep. this has a very strong ripple effect, I think, on the psyche because it's very, it's very much the same thing that we think about when, the, when, when, when it comes to the planet, right? We are inhabiting the planet the planet is taking care of us that's the same thing with us and our microbes mm-hmm. the microbes are inhabiting us and we're taking care of our microbes they want us to live a long healthy happy life and we want them to help us do that mm-hmm. so it becomes this really weird sort of fractal type of thing where we're all in this together we have to take care of the inner, inner ecosystem which is the microbes that live in and on and around all of our body Mm-hmm. And we have to take care of our outer ecosystem, which is the planet, because it's the thing that's providing us the opportunity to take care of ourselves and our inner ecosystem. Yeah. So we're all in the same fight. And if we think about it that way, as opposed to how do I get my gene to do this or which genes do I have or how do I biohack my brain? I mean, your brain is just a bunch of cells. Those cells are just a bunch of, you know. Electrical impulses. Yeah. I mean, mitochondria, you yeah. know, mitochondria and DNA. And I mean, this is what we have to understand. We have to understand the cell, not yeah. the organ. And, and in each side, each organ, the liver, for example, you have microbes. The microbes are talking to your mitochondria. So you, so you better understand that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. important because this is why you would eat organic food. Yes. This is why you would not ingest toxins. Yes. This is why you would think about sleep. Yes. This is why you would think about circadian rhythm. This is why you think about emotions and birthing practices and breastfeeding and not using, you know, sanitize, hand sanitizer and uh, uh, rolling around in the dirt and, you know, chlorine in your water. Yep. All of a sudden, when you think about things from a different perspective, you start to get an understanding of why all the lifestyle factors that are in these areas where people are living a long time matter. 
So it's amazing. I mean, it, um, just being able to have that complete both sides of the spectrum going right to the source in the villages and then bringing it back to the absolute latest technology and then showing people how they can apply this in day-to-day life. So yeah. it's well, awesome. Mission. Meditation, meditation. Just to give you a very succinct example, meditation has been shown to uh, reduce the reactive oxygen species production from the mitochondria. So what does that mean? It means you have less oxidative stress in the mm-hmm. cell that's going to damage DNA, that's going to damage other mitochondria, that's going to you know, shorten your telomeres. That, so less reactive, reactive oxygen species, you know, which we have too much of. Reactive oxygen species aren't bad. They're mm-hmm. actually a signaling molecule. But mm-hmm. when, when they're chronic and they're elevated, they cause damage. So meditating actually slows that. So meditating improves your mitochondria. Meditating improves your DNA. Meditation, absolutely. So if we want to talk about longevity, the act of meditating can do that through mitochondria. Uh, We actually see less light leakage. So mitochondria actually leak light. Okay, we know this now. We can actually measure this on the skin. That when somebody meditates, the amount of light that's leaking out is, is reduced. Now, what does this signify? This signifies less energy. Uh, it, it, it signifies better uh, energy efficiency of the mitochondria. Mm-hmm. So we've met, we can measure this now. Science is there. You know? so, so this is why it's important if we want to think about longevity and health. And if you, if you think about any disease, it always starts in the mitochondria and the cell and the DNA and the microbes. Those are three genetic systems in our body. Microbes, mitochondria, and our human DNA. They all have different DNA. And then the plants that we consume have microRNA and genetic information that they impart to us. Mm -hmm. So what we can see is this genetic crosstalk between microbes, human. I mean, bacteria can talk to human. We may not think of it that way, but they can. Yeah, I believe that. It's kind of cool when you start to break it all down and go like, wow, we are one big holobiont. We are one big ecosystem. There is no eye in in, in Northern India 2,500 years ago. So meditation is not the norm, but you can download a simple little app that'll take (laughs) you like from zero to 60 in five minutes. You don't know what you're doing. That's like where the technology part comes in. So Jason busts down all the science of mitochondrial function and why meditation matters. And you're like, well, how the heck can I meditate? (laughs) Okay. I got my phone. phone. Okay. That was was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. And so that's where it all gets really fun. So yeah. So we get geeky, but we we also have fun. We talk about the philosophies. We show these people. I mean, these, they're hilarious, by the way. Some of the answers that they give, I mean, they're profound and they're very hilarious at the same time. So it's a, it's a lot of fun, but it's, yeah. it, you know, just, just, it's not a, it's not a cakewalk. There's a little bit of learning here. So, uh, you know, for, for a lot of people, they'll love that. For some people, it's going to probably hurt their brain, but, um, but hopefully there's a nice mix of both. So how do people find it, Jason? Yeah, they can go to the humanlongevityfilm.com. Yep. So humanlongevityfilm.com. Yep. Uh, May 7th, they can, they can sign up uh, now and enter their email address. You know, we're not going to spam them or, or bug them. We're just going to let them know when the film's uh, released online and, and they'll get a notification to, uh, to watch the first episode. And we're part of your partner program as well. So we'll be perfect. So yeah, put a link. Yeah. Health, health members as soon as it's good to go. So there you go. Yeah, man. It sounds incredible. Awesome work. And um it was great to have our first conversation. Hopefully, many more. I'm sure we could go very, very deep on a lot of uh, this yeah. stuff. Yeah, I kind of feel like we could maybe some mind-altering fire. substances yeah. before the next one. We can really take it to the next level. But this was a good like introductory. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go so, deeper on that stuff later because that's that's a fascinating topic that I absolutely love and have had a lot of experience with. Would so you want to get into that at some point? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah. let's do that for our next one then. I love it. Okay. Perfect. 
All right, brother. Good stuff to talk about there. Indeed. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for having me. Let me get you back here Saturday. Thanks, Jason. We're excited to help support your work. I really Um, appreciate it. Yeah. I feel the same way. Keep keep up the good work. I think I think it really does matter. Cool. Thanks, man. Have a great day. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 